Hello and welcome to the All Things Palestinian podcast, a project of Canadians for justice and peace in the Middle East. Together, we dive into the realm of what it means to be Palestinian. We explore all aspects of Palestinian culture and art, as well as history and politics, to encourage Palestinian pride and engagement. Today, we will be joined by Darin Salam, a Palestinian Jordanian writer and filmmaker. Her most recent film, Farha, is the harrowing account of an ambitious young Palestinian woman who has her dreams shattered because of the horrors of the Nakba. Salam has received acclaim for telling a gripping story while bringing the devastation of the Palestinian Nakba to our screens. My name is Rafif Dejani. I am the co-host of All Things Palestinian. Joining me today is Tom Woodley, president of CJPME, and Tyler Shad, my co-host and podcast producer. Good morning, Tyler and Tom. Hello, hello. I I couldn't I couldn't help. I listened to the podcast that you guys did without me, and you said I was essential because you needed a male on the podcast. So I take that to mean that I'm your token male. That I'm I'm just sort of <laughs> token male, more than a token, more than a token. Tom. I just need to be because Welcome you need a male on the podcast. <laughs> We're happy to have you back. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, well, Tyla, yeah, go ahead. Yes. I'm very excited to have uh, our guest today. Darin Sedlam is a Palestinian Jordanian writer, director, and filmmaker who holds a BA in graphic design and an MFA in cinematic arts from the Red Sea Institute for Cinematic Arts. She's produced five award-winning short films, including Still Alive, The Dark Outside, and The Parrot. She frequently serves as a jury member in international film festivals and is co-founder and managing partner at Tailbox, a Jordanian production and training company based in Amman. Her most recent film, Farha, which follows a young girl's traumatic experience during the Nakba, has garnered her critical acclaim, earning several accolades, including several film festival awards and Jordan's entry for the 2023 Oscars. Hi, Darin. How are you doing today? Hi, Tyler. Uh, hi, Thomas and Rafif. Uh, lovely being with you. We're, we're so happy to have you. We always like to start off the podcast and ask, uh, where in Palestine are you from? I'm originally from uh, Ramle, where my father was uh, born and my family uh, used to live in uh, a city called Ramle. Uh, uh, I never been there, but I heard a lot about it. Uh, so I, I know about her and uh, it's, uh, I mean, somehow it, it I, I, somehow it lives in me since, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because Palestine, we like, I never lived in Palestine, but somehow Palestine lives in me. Uh, this is how I feel about uh, Palestine. Uh, so absolutely. where are you from, from Palestine? I actually, I think nobody asked me this question for a long time. <laughs> oh, oh, it's important. And you don't, you know. We, we always start off our podcast this way because it's important because it does create that link and, and, and there's no reason to, for anyone to apologize. That's where you're from. That's where your roots are. It's, uh, it's important. Yeah. So Darin, you say you haven't been back, uh, been to Ramla. Have you been to Palestine? No, all? never been to Palestine. Never? Yeah. Um, but this is why I'm, I say that I, I, people ask me like, how is it's your home? You say it's your home because, like, I, yes, I never been to Palestine, but it's my home. It lives in in me since, you know. It's this is how how we Palestinians uh, feel about Palestine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of an emotional right. question somehow. 
Yeah. So, um, Denine, we wanted to know what what spurred your interest in in filmmaking. I mean, it's 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 not the most obvious choice for a female in a traditionally male industry um, and an Arab female to boot. Yeah, actually, I when people ask me how did you get into the film industry, I always say I never uh, knew that I want to become a film director or I never tried to become one. I just found myself making a short film. Um, and I think after now I'm thinking about it, it was because I couldn't express how I felt about what's happening in Palestine. Mm. Because it, I remember in, uh, in the, in the second intifada, uh, I, I used to watch the, the news and I was really, really frustrated. I used to cry a lot and paint a lot. I, I love I painting, uh, drawing and, uh, and photography. So I loved art. And I used to express myself and express how I feel, how frustrated and sad I am through art. But then I, 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 I found myself like drawing a storyboard of this story about a Palestinian boy. And like when I was 18, I went to Jordan. I was born and lived in Kuwait. Uh, I was born and raised in Kuwait. And I moved to Jordan when I was 17, 18. And when I was 17, uh, I found myself making the impossible to make this as a short film. And then when we were doing the editing, I saw like we were writing the credit roll and they wrote the, directed by Darin Salam. And only then I knew that, oh, so I directed the short film. And that's how it happened. But but I have <laughs> to ask, when you say you found yourself doing this impossible short film, how did you just find yourself? Yeah, doing I mean, this I found myself because I, you know, I never lived in Jordan before I was 17. So I, I found myself looking around, trying to find a camera to rent and trying to find locations and I'm not thinking about anything but this film and this story. Okay. Uh, so so I, I mean, like, did you network with other filmmakers, um, seek mentorship? How, how did it work? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I, I, I never, I, I know that uh, this is the way with other directors, but really when, when it, like when it comes to my experience, this is how I found myself uh, becoming a filmmaker. I just, wanted to tell a story and I made it and it wasn't a, it won awards, but to me, I was never satisfied with it. I was like, it's just a short, like I'm embarrassed. It's very like simple and, you know, but um, after making this film and after seeing the reaction on people's faces, I knew that this is what I want to make in my life. This is the, the thing that I was born to, to do. Wow. Wow. So that, it's interesting. Go ahead. That the other um, releases through art, through your drawing and um, other artistic uh, endeavors, that didn't that didn't satisfy. It didn't release everything that you were holding within. Yeah, because when in film, it's uh, it's many senses together. You hear you, you know. It's and I I um, um, I learned this from one of the audience uh, that when you see some when you watch a film all the senses work together and somehow these emotions stay with you. And uh, it's not like something that you read uh, or hear, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, this cinema was the most thing that satisfied me from art. But it sounds like uh, it could have been that uh, your drawing, like your, your love of art, like, I guess it sounded like drawing. <clears throat> did that that sort of helped you to with the concept of, of the storyboarding helped you sort of get in your mind how to tell a story i guess yes the way i express is visuals 
I even sometimes on set uh, draw the, the 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 frame and like I have in mind and show it to people. Sometimes this is the best way I can express myself. Okay, and was there any I, was there any particular film that you yourself have been inspired by, or anything that that you can sort of say I really really like that film and that was sort of a turning point? Um, not when I was a child. I maybe um, no, but but Iranian cinema always inspired me. Uh, I love Iranian cinema, um, and I I remember I had respect for uh, Mustafa Al-Aqad. If you know him, he's uh, he's a Syrian American uh, film director. Uh, I I was always wondering how did he get the energy to shoot like the film the message twice once in Arabic and in English you know and and the mm-hmm. Lion of the Desert. So I remembered his films um, in every Eid uh, in in the Arab world. We have we screen the the film with like all TV stations have the the film the message screen uh, and I remember this uh, it was a tradition and when I became a filmmaker I said I want Farha to be s- to screen in every Nakba uh, day uh, like Mustafa Al-Aqqad the message mm. well, this is something that really inspired me cool wow wow that, um, that's I an interest yeah go ahead no I was just gonna say that that was like that's very interesting it's like inspiring to see that you were once inspired by something and now all of us like you know watching Farha and yeah well and the idea of having sort of movies that would be watched just like you know there's certain days of the year or certain religious holidays where people watch certain movies or uh yeah this that's an interesting idea sort of have film screenings of Farha or, or other Nakba movies on Nakba day Cool. Actually, this is uh, Tom. What happened uh, now in the uh, in May because it's the the Nakba uh, right and anni- like anniversaries and it was screening around the world and uh, to me that's a, a dream come true. I was really emotional. Uh, like somebody said, one of the film critics said that it's Farha is uh, the ambassador of the Palestinian cause, and I I felt myself that like, I'm. I'm like touring with the film, talking to people about it, I felt that I'm I'm kind of I'm a messenger somehow. Absolutely, no, Mabruk. Yeah, I mean, I mean, most of our listeners, you know, have have heard of you uh, because of you know the the success of Farha, and so Farha is based on a true story of a young girl who survived the Nakba and fled to Syria, named Radiye. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, and so the film is not only a sort of a depiction of the Nakba, but it's also a coming of age story of a young girl who really wants to, you know, pursue her education. So out of all the different ways that you could have, you know, that you could tell the story, why did you like, what did you think was specifically, like, specifically compelling about uh, Radia's story? When I heard the story from my mother, because my mother met the real character, Radiya. I was young, and um, and the, the story stayed with me because it's a story of a girl uh, uh, who was locked up in a room to protect the honor of the family. And of course, because the father was worried that she will killed or raped, she, she will be killed or raped. Uh, uh, so he locked her up. But she's a girl like me. Uh, um, and uh, she and she was locked up in a room, and I was claustrophobic, so I felt with her. Um, uh, and um, 
she's also Palestinian. Um, so I just like kept thinking of this girl and what happened to her and how she felt in the room. Uh, and when I uh, became a filmmaker, I was thinking, why is this story still with me? I mean, there's a reason why, and this is a sign. Uh, and the setup of, of a room was a very tra- attractive setup. It's very difficult, I know, and challenging uh, to shoot and write, to direct and, ra- and write a film uh, inside one location. But that was, to me, the challenge that really attracted me um, to make the film because we always, people are, are, are bored, unfortunately, to listen to stories about Palestine. And I wanted to make something different. Mm. Something yeah, very no, I, emotional. I thought watching it, I thought that was very, very bold, Dadeen, locking us up in the cellar with her and keeping us there. Um, that, that was very bold um, because the challenge for you is even greater. Um, the interest, the attention, um, the necessary backstory that needs to be b- provided, even while we're just sitting in, in the shelter. So, and the pace of the film as well. Um, so, I mean, it was clearly a success, but what a risk. Thank you. I mean, uh, I, I knew that it's, it's a risk, but um, everything in, film, in the film industry is a risk. And I was thinking, uh, um, as you said, Rafif, I wanted the audience to be in this room feeling what Farha is feeling and all the senses, hearing what she's hearing and uh, seeing what she's saying. I wanted them to um uh, uh to live her experience uh, firsthand and uh, because seeing the nakba from the eye of a 14 year old girl it's uh, it's uh, i mean it should be emotional um yeah yeah well and that's what struck me i mean i, I knew there was going to be an element of the nakba before i started watching the movie but i think someone coming in without really much of a knowledge of what the movie is about you start watching it and you start you know, you, you could very easily get the impression, well, it is about a woman, young woman who wants to get an education in the city. And you sort of feel there's this tension with her father. And you sort of feel like, oh, this is going to be a, a, a young woman who wants an education and she's, she's being held back by her family. And then, you know, very different things happen. And then you contrast that young woman at the beginning of the movie with the young woman at the end of the movie. And there's just so much which is communicated that she is just not broken, but she's a changed person. Uh, and I think that's just so integral, so important to what you're doing, so important to the story that you're telling as well. Yeah, I mean, it was important to me to show the difference, as you said, Tom, from the beginning until the end and, and see that uh, uh, a child who's forced to to leave her childhood uh, and, yeah. and move on and become a woman, she's forced to, to, uh, to grow up earlier yeah. than yeah. yeah. So, and, and I suppose that's, I mean, many in the industry um, have, have referred to it as a coming of age story. Of course, coming of age, you know, for most is seen as a deve- developmental stage, a transition from childhood into adulthood. But um, but it's also, also unique experiences, especially traumatic ones that can force us out of childhood um, into adulthood. So she had both her developmental stage and a traumatic mm-hmm. experience that really just forced her out of that innocence that she that we see at the start of the film um and 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 made her the person that she ultimately became yeah yeah i mean this is one of the the other losses that farha faces uh, like education and um 
her friendship, her father, her life, her smallest like details in the house, her bedroom. Uh, like, yeah, I wanted to show that the 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 losses that Farha face, and of course the like changing from um, uh, this scene specifically is uh, when she's uh, when she gets her period and the baby dies. I don't want to spoil uh, the film for people who didn't watch it, but I mean. To me, it's a cocoon, and then she becomes a butterfly. It's, it's, um, yeah. I mean, I wanted to show a, a film about Palestine, but in a very feminine kind of soft. But you think it's easy, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it looks soft, and but really, it's it's uh, heavy somehow. Many people told me they they faced a lot of difficulty watching the film. Because because of what they heard about it, uh, it was difficult for them to to watch it. Yeah. Um, many days filming was that? How many days of filming was? It was that? about thirty, uh, thirty or thirty two days of shooting. It was winter, so we lost day the the sun very quickly. So we had to shoot extra two days. So it was thirty two, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I and thought the cinematography was spectacular. It was so authentic. It was it, it was visually just wonderful to watch. You know, you you chose Kerem Tahir to play the the lead role of well of Radia's story in the film, and Tahir herself is also Palestinian. Was it difficult to find the right actress to play the leading role? It was. It was difficult, and uh, and I knew from the very beginning that it will be a, a journey by itself to find Farha. Because most of the time we're with her, we're, the camera's on her face. So I needed someone who's like their eyes say many things, you know. And uh, I, I saw many girls, but it was somehow a little bit disappointing because some young girls didn't know about the Nakba. And that mm. was very, very, like I was almost depressed at that time. But then I, I saw Karam. And in the audition, I asked her, what do you know about Palestine Nakba? And she said, my mother, my grandmother... Uh, drinks her coffee with the Palestinian uh, embroidery, uh, uh, the, the the dress every day, and she tells she, she talks to me about Palestine all the time, and I was very excited when I heard that. But her eyes and face is very beautiful and expressive, uh, and this made me, uh, uh, I mean, want to 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 invest and uh, risk, as you said, Rafi, because um, you, we we don't know we don't have really actors in Jordan this age. So I knew that I need to teach her. But also her commitment in the five months of the acting workshop was really uh, uh, like made me feel safe that I, I chose the right girl. She was, um, she, she was committed uh, and she was, she was listening all the time, trying to, uh, to work on herself and on her, uh, I called the, the workshop how not to act. Because you know, in this age, they like to act, yeah, to to impress. So to she used to overact, and I was like, okay, let's start a new workshop. It's how not to act, and that's yeah, what that's what we did. She never read the script actually, um, because it's kind of uh, traumatic, and and I wanted to leave the, the the I wanted to leave this acting fresh to the camera, with the shooting. Yeah, I, I felt she. She was a really great choice. Uh, you needed also someone who felt who felt like a girl at times, but on the verge of womanhood. And it's exactly this, Tom. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's exactly this. Because when we took photos of her, 
at some point, like in some, uh, in this profile, you feel she's a child, and this profile, right. you feel she's a young woman. She's a she's in between, and this is very attractive. Yeah, this is yeah, and in fact, there's the the point where I guess when she finally gets the application for school, and it's sixth grade. Uh, so that would have been what, in theory, what she's supposed to be 12 years old. Would that be about right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she visually, you had to have someone just sort of at that point in their physical development. Uh, and yeah, she was, she was great and, and very dynamic. And I, I, my guess would be that it was also a difficult role to play for someone if this is their first role. Uh, yeah, it was it was a huge responsibility, and this is why I, I'm proud of Karam, because um, because I challenged her a lot, and she was uh, up to this challenge, and she was um, uh, as I said committed. It, it's scary because this age they're um, easily distracted and um, they're not focused. And I did my best to to like to work with her uh, to to keep her focused, and um, and she was uh, uh, really. Uh, into this and uh, she was when she was on set she was really present and committed and i'm proud of her yeah yeah uh, has she yeah has she gone on to other things to your knowledge or is she uh has she gone back to her previous life or how how what's 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 the direction for her now now that she's been in this film not really she's not uh she didn't act in another film yet but i think she's studying now because she's uh <laughs> She's in college. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, while casting them, it was also interesting to note that um, it was almost palpable to you whether or not they were affected by the ongoing Nakba. So those who have heard the stories, um, it was evident either in their appearance, in their in their spoken words, in their action. And, and you picked up on that. Yes, I mean, uh, after the film is out, I realized that peop many people have intergenerational traumas. And and also, because you mentioned the casting again, while I was doing the casting, I told you I met many girls who knew nothing about the Nakba. And after the film was out, many film, like many schools uh, screened the film to the students. And, and many of the girls that I auditioned and knew nothing sent me messages that we watched the film and we know about this now. And so to me, it was like, okay, I think your job was done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. That's it was very satisfying to, to, to hear from these girls who I was very upset that they don't know about Nakba. And now they know about it and they're talking about, uh, 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 about the film and their friends who acted in the film. So it's, it's created something uh, that I didn't kind of expect, to be honest. Yeah. But it, it's interesting. I would have expected, I, presumably you were in your... Um, the casting call went out to Jordanian young women. Am I right? People living in Amman. The cast, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. They have Jordanian cast. So you'd think that the people living in Amman, more than perhaps anywhere else in the world, would 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 have an understanding of the Nakba. So it is disappointing. I I, I agree with you. So yeah, this is key that uh, to to raise that awareness. Not I'm not just in in Amman everywhere, but you would have thought that every all of the, all of your candidates would have would have had a certain familiarity with the nakba that's that's surprising another factor that just came to mind now that might not be so obvious to others is arabic i mean in amman a lot of girls that age will not have the arabic that uh, that she had 
um, the fluency, the accent, and that would have excluded probably over 50% of those who, 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 who auditioned. This is exactly what happened. All the girls, because we have to, um, to, to have a, a Palestinian uh, village dialect, right? And all the girls were speaking English, and I was like, their Arabic is broken, you know? It's a very Amani, broke, like not like half English, half, broke, half broken Arabic. And I was very, very upset and frustrated because of this. And when I talked to Karam, she was speaking Arabic very well. And I was like, okay, how do you speak Arabic? Which is like a very weird question to ask for a, a Jordanian girl, you know? Uh, and, and she said, because I, I talk a lot to my grandmother, she, she speaks in Arabic all the time. So I was, uh, I was really, this, this, this was one of the things that really made me want to invest in, in Karam and, and uh, choose her. Wow. Yeah. No, wow. that's uh um so you the the film premiered in the Toronto Film Festival in September 2021 but you started writing the screenplay back in September 2016. Um yeah. so it was a it was it was a long process I assume uh, riddled with obstacles and words of discouragement. Um what gave you the confidence to go ahead with this project? Um, I think that, like giving up is not part of my nature uh, as a person uh, and as a filmmaker. And and I knew if I, because many people told me this might ruin your career and as a debut feature, you have to be careful. But I knew if I didn't make this film, if I gave up, uh, it would be very easy for me in the future to give up. Hmm. So I, I, I will lose, if I lose my principles and my ethics, I will lose my respect for myself. And it, it, I can't, mm. it's not who I am. And uh, so I had to, to make the film so I can, it will give me confidence and it will make anything else in the future easy. Not easy, but uh, not as difficult as it would. <laughs> because I knew that. No, it gives you the sense if I can do this, I can do anything. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, it's this. And uh, so I had to stick to my principles and my ethics. And um, yeah. I had so, to- so was it more, uh, what, what, looking back now, were there more people that discouraged you uh, rather than encouraged you? Or did you have um, some cheerleading think, along the no. way? Actually, you can always find people who really uh, believe uh, mm. in, and, and believe in what you believe. And this is what happened with me, uh, with uh, my producers, with the producer of Farha, Dima Azar and Aya Jordani, um, who, um, who, like, whenever I felt down or felt that I'm being kind of attacked just because I have the story, they mm-hmm. were with me and they they always encouraged me and uh, they believed in me and they believed that we would mm-hmm. make this film happen and the film will see the light. So this made me uh more confident also and uh, mm-hmm. i knew that i have somebody behind me that or next to me who who is supporting me uh and yeah. uh, and, and and we did this uh, together uh, i feel uh, lucky that i i have people that i can trust and they have the same beliefs that i have and the same ethics of course now was the was was sort of being on netflix was that sort of expected from the beginning or was this something that just sort of happened near the end of the process that was this sort of 
a nice thing that happened or how, how did that come to be? It was, is there much of a story behind how, how you got on Netflix? Because of course that then gives you a global audience. What, and what, what, what did you perceive? I mean, well, tell me a little bit about that story. And if it hadn't been on Netflix, what sort of was the audience? What were you sort of hoping for the film prior to, you know, understanding that it was going to be on Netflix? I was hoping for the film to be everywhere. Literally, and to to be uh, to travel the world and to reach to every home. Mm. Uh, this is what happened, and of course, with with the with the film being on Netflix, this helped uh, worldwide. Especially yeah. that it's, it was worldwide. This helped a lot the film to spread and to uh, to reach to people's houses and to people's hearts. Um, how it happened? It was as you said. It was uh, the film was touring festivals, and at the end of the tour. We met with Netflix in one of the, the film festivals, and uh, uh, we both uh, had the same uh, interest uh, to to have the film on Netflix. So we just had a deal, and that's what happened. It was that simple. Uh, uh, of course, I, I would I wanted this from the very beginning, but it, um, uh, I didn't know if it will happen or not. I didn't think about it to be honest. I was thinking about the film reaching to film festivals at the beginning, and then it was the natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing to happen at the end to to uh, reach out to um, VOD platforms. That's fantastic. Yeah. So the the trick is you do an uh, you do uh, an amazing piece of work and uh, and people will notice. <laughs> Actually, well it's done. Very, very like I think with thank you and with Netflix, I think it's it's uh, it's helping a lot uh, the film to to reaching as I said, and I'm receiving messages from countries that, in the world like really countries that I never knew that they existed. Uh, on the map and I'm, I'm receiving a lot of uh, uh, support and uh, feedback from all, all over the world. And this is, to me, is amazing. I mean, this is what we want as filmmakers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and especially, I mean, the 1948 period is really not found in cinema. It's, it's mainly in documentary form and Farha is a drama. It's not a documentary. So, what were the challenges in communicating the historical realities of the Nakba um, while producing a gripping drama? Because it's a narrative film, uh, I wanted to, I mean, I, I, re- I wanted the film to be a close-up on Farha, on this girl uh, and her journey, her emotional journey. Um, and, and everything else, history is in the background. Uh, I'm sorry about the the sounds outside. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I was wondering where the ambulance was. <laughs> it's outside. I'm sorry, but I yeah. I mean, uh, I wanted to to create um, um, an artistic piece um, and to focus on this girl's journey uh, and leave the history and everything uh, uh, political in the background. And uh, that was my intention because I wanted people to see her as a human being, mm-hmm. to see Farha as a human mm-hmm. being, not, not as a number. Uh, because yeah. people are used to, to think of uh, how many Palestinians d- die today, you know. I, I wanted them to, to treat her as a human being, as a child who was just deprived of her life and her dreams and everything. Um, so it was, of course, um, based on a true event and events, but I wanted all of the memories that I have that I never lived, but lived through my uh, uh, grandparents' memories and people who witnessed the Nakba and saw Palestine. I wanted to patch all these memories together to create the film. Um, um, but yeah, I wanted it to, to be a, 
an emotional, humane story and universal and timeless uh, more than a political piece. Yeah, and stories stay with people longer than they do um, uh, facts, historical facts. As the story stayed with you, your film will stay with others. Exactly. This is what I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's the other danger as well of of just sort of coming across and being very preachy. Uh, you know that you, the filmmaker, has something that they want to teach the viewer, and and that just doesn't work very well. So you have to find that that combination of you you're telling a great story, and people learn the history as they see the story. Uh, it can't be the other way around. But that's I, I'm I'm sure that must be very difficult. Um yeah I mean it's but you know I I as a, as a as a film director I don't like direct messages and uh, slogans and uh, propaganda so I was just doing a, as I said uh, a film uh, an artistic piece uh, that uh would like people will learn but by feeling with the character but by like not in a direct way like you yeah. don't really see the 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 politics but you feel the the um, that it's the reason why Farha is deprived from her childhood and her dreams, but you don't really. Uh, I wanted the most blood that you see uh, in Farha when she can, when she gets her period, mm-hmm. right. not from battle scenes. And uh, I wanted to be epic with with the journey that Farha goes through internally, what she's yeah. feeling, not with the battle scenes, big ex- like extras, and you know. This is not yeah. the kind of the film that I want to make. Yeah. Well, and also uh, we were talking about um, um, earlier this morning before you joined us, uh, we were talking, Rafif was pointing out that, you know, the film, to some degree, a good part of the film is a little bit like a theater piece set in one room and the challenges of, of doing that. And of course, we only see what Farha sees. We only see through the slits in the wall, through the slits in the door. And, and that you really set yourself up for a challenge with that as well, didn't you, in terms of telling the story uniquely from what she could see? Um, yes. I mean, uh, even the actors told me outside, they told me, ah, oh, so we're not uh, in the frame, right? We, and I told them, forget about the camera. I just, and then when they saw the film, they told me, oh my God, we can, we're very like, uh, like we can see, you can see everything. I was like, yes, because less is more. And and to me, it, it, this uh, like seeing from the cracks makes things more in focus. It's not less; it's even more. It's more intense. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it creates a sense of intensity and urgency, um, and focuses on a single moment. Exactly. You can only see what she sees, and what she sees is very limited, but oh, so dramatic. I mean, it's yeah, powerful. You were we were saying you were saying how you know the the film was on Netflix and you know it, there was it toured a lot of film festivals, but more importantly the film was streamed in Ramallah, Gaza, and Rafah. How was it rece- how how was it received in in Palestine? Uh, the film was embraced by by the Palestinians and uh, the screening in Palestine. I unfortunately I I couldn't go, but. Uh, uh, I heard the feedback and um, uh, it was really touching. Um, I mean, people felt it represents them. And to me, this is the most important thing because um, I'm making the film for them. 
you know. So the Palestinians and the Middle East saw the film as a film that um, it was it was they it was kind of owned. They owned the film, uh, the, the the Middle East uh, audience, uh, and they felt that it's their film. And sometimes I was invited to screenings uh, in Jordan, for example. Some people screen it, which is not legal because it's you know it's on Netflix. But but people would screen it and tell me we have a private screening. Come, we and they would invite me. I was like, thank you, but I'm like, I wish I can come. But to me, that was amazing. I mean, it, it's their film. It's not mine anymore. And this is something that I really, really love. Uh, and people in, in the West also are uh, feeling with the film and they feel Farha is their daughter. Somehow they can relate and they can imagine their 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 daughter uh, in, in Farha's place. Uh, learning... Um, about the Nakba, about the Palestinians, uh, receiving messages like saying that I, I I feel so bad for all the years that I didn't support Palestinians before. I mean, receiving this is emotional mm-hmm. and and to me, um, as I said, I I didn't. I always said I'm not a politician. I'm an artist. But seeing this makes me feel that it's uh, like yeah. I mean, the film is is the, the the ambassador i'm not the ambassador maybe because I, i'm an artist i'm i'm not politician but the film is doing this job for the palestinians and um, uh yeah i mean even film critics uh praise the film and they're uh, expecting that it will launch the the nakba genre uh in film and to me that's uh i i hope it it, it happens because um so, so just we so we understand that Properly, you're saying that some critics feel like this is going to launch a new genre of film, films about the Nakba. Wow, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, and there are there are films that are uh, being written at the moment. Um, as this is what I'm hearing about Nakba, and uh, it's amazing because we need to to keep telling our stories and our history. Uh, because many people didn't know about the Nakba before. Uh, and when they watched Farha, they were Googling the Nakba, reading about it. Uh, so this confirms how important it is. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, hat off to to uh, Netflix as well for, for streaming it. Yeah. Um, that was the more difficult path, I think, for them, wasn't it? Well, and I... I Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I think so, but I think they just did the, the, the right thing. And I I mean, I have respect for them for, for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what I was going to say, I think the film, it's, it's a little bit like we were talking about earlier, where to find the balance between telling a story and doing a documentary or, or preaching at people. And it's sort of like you give people enough you know, the beginning of the film, there are people talking about, oh, in these troubled times and, you know, and, and you give people enough to really be curious and sort of like, I don't know much about this. What was happening in Palestine in, you know, at this time? And I, I think, so you give people enough to sort of get curious, but without sort of telling them they know everything that they need to know, which I think is, is an important balance as well, that you can't watch that film and say, yeah, I, I really understand the Nakba. On the other hand, you can't watch the film without saying, "Gosh, I'd really like to understand a bit more." Uh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I always say you can't say everything in one film, especially when it comes right. to Nakba, because many, many, many uh, things happened and a lot of uh, massacres, and you can't just uh, uh, say everything. But this is why I, I chose 
uh, emotions because it's the most powerful thing that stays with people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as you said, it's it's uh, just a small film that uh, uh, that can, when I say small, it's simple when it comes to one character, one place, but it's, uh, it makes people curious and want to learn more about this. Because yeah. it didn't sound like you set out to break barriers, but but you clearly did. I mean, were you surprised with the reaction um, and reception of Farha? I I was yes surprised and and uh, and overwhelmed by the the support and uh, how people really uh, supported the film and embraced it and um, in a very beautiful way. Uh, and also, I was surprised by how can a film, uh, like a 14-year-old girl, make a change. Mm-hmm. That also uh, was very surprising in a, in a very good way because um, because I felt the change. Mm-hmm. Every time I was with the audience in, in around the world, I felt the change. I felt that uh, they leave the, the, the theater and like with a different, I mean, and the, that, yeah. stays, and the film stays with them. Mm-hmm. Some people mm-hmm. sent me after a few months, uh, like a couple of three or three months, and they tell me we were thinking still about the character and what happened. So it, this is to me is is important and people spreading the word about it. So I, I felt that uh, I was lucky uh, and, uh, and the film also is lucky that it was... Um, uh, yeah, it's certainly not a film that you walk out of the theater and forget. It's it's one that stays with you, and you continue to analyze and read and around and read into, and you know. Yeah, it looks innocent from the outside, but it's it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we all wanted to protect her. It's uh, it's a natural human instinct, isn't it? Which yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the very very touching things that I I heard recently: people naming their newborn girls Farha. Wow. Yeah, which means joy. Joy, it means in, joy. In Arabic, yeah. Exactly, so. and uh, many people ask me why. Mm-hmm. Why joy? I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I always say it's because of how uh, how I felt the joy Releasing was. It. <laughs> it was stolen from the Palestinians mm-hmm. uh, after 1948. So I want to bring this back to you, uh, Dadeen. And, yeah. and so do you, do you have a message to other Arab women who aspire to a career in filmmaking? Yeah, I can, I can advise them the same, that don't stop mm-hmm. there and don't accept to be a victim and just uh, do your thing. And also I would advise filmmakers in general, I always say that we can't wait for the opportunity to come. It will not show up at our door and present itself. We have to, to create opportunities for yourself. You have to... Um, uh, find the right uh, time to create your project. So don't wait for people to help you. Yeah, I guess there's to some degree. Uh, some people say there's 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 no luck, uh, but I, it sounds to me like you, you you were just you you were prepared to do something big. This was a dream of yours, and you were working at it. And through a lot of perseverance, things came together. Perseverance and focus and things came together. Um, yeah, I mean, I, um, 
as I said, I, I maybe I, I I might be sensitive, but not when it comes to uh, to this. Uh, I mean, if if some people have issues about women and regarding, like I don't focus on that or just don't care about it. It's their problem. To me, it's uh, I, I believe that see most of the heads of departments in Farha are women, uh, and we never. Um, I mean, we didn't do this on purpose. They were just the most qualified people. Uh, and we, I mean, uh, so I don't, I know that women can, can do miracles. So I, I like, I don't care about men who yeah. want to, uh, oppress women. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I was thrilled to see that in the credits, uh, opening credits, uh, Tailbox was, yeah. uh, which is, which is what, what's, I'm, I'm sort of going off script a little bit here, but what, what is Tailbox? It's uh, it's something that I understand you you start. You're a co-founder or the founder, and and the movie was produced by Tailbox. Yes, the, uh, Tailbox is a production company based in Jordan. Uh, it's ma- mainly a production company, and we do training and casting as well. Uh, and I'm a co-founder and the managing partner uh, at Tailbox. Uh, and if you saw the logo, it's the Hakawati. It's the storyteller with the old. Uh, uh, Middle Eastern clothes, but if you see the film in the beginning, you see the intro. It's a woman, because everyone was telling me like you're a team of women at Tailbox, and the, the logo is a man. I was like, no, it's not a man. It's a woman. So <laughs> it looks like a man, but when you see the video, you understand that it's a woman. Wow, that's cool, Mabruk, and that's great. That's great what you've done and and uh, starting that and that being uh, must, the expression is that that must be a real feather in your cap. In other words, it's a great accomplishment for Tailbox to have Farha on its uh, list of accomplishments. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you so much. So, doing your thing and you know just sticking with your projects. Do you have any new projects in the pipeline? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm working on a couple of projects actually, but but I I always like to wait until the, the 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 draft is ready because sometimes many things change in the writing, you know. So, um, but it's about women issues mainly uh, from the the Arab world. But yeah, I mean, I can share more maybe in end of the year. <laughs> Well, well, we'll just have to have you back when your next big thing comes out. <laughs> yes, I'd love to, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been it's been great speaking to you, Darin. I mean, we have so many more questions. I mean, about extras, about costumes, about you know um, emotions while filming. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to leave it. <laughs> Um, here for now but uh, it was it was it really was thank you for taking the time to to be with us and speak with us today yeah thank you thank you Rafif uh, Tom and uh, Tyler it was such uh, uh, a pleasure Yanni talking to you uh, and thank you for having me again it was great (laughs) Uh, and I was I I feel that I at some point I I feel a little bit distracted so and I have I tend to to be distracted easily so if you feel that there are some questions that you want to repeat please do because I feel that I I can't I feel I I I said many uh, 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 so yeah it's the artistic that's the artistic mind that's how it works isn't it thank you this is what my mother mother tells me but I feel it's my mother you know she wants to yeah um, no, I, I I thought we had a wonderful, <laughs> enjoyable conversation. Relax. 
No, Alf Mabrook, Darin. I mean, we're so proud of you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. So we hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. Through this and our other podcast interviews, you will have hopefully gained a better understanding of the Palestinian experience. If you enjoyed our podcast, leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. If you have suggestions for a future podcast episode, also let us know. You can email us at atpc at cjpme.org. This podcast is a project of Canadians for Justice and Peace in the Middle East, CJPME, and seeks to advance its mission to empower Canadians of all backgrounds to promote justice, development, and peace in the Middle East. Thanks to all our supporters who helped to make this podcast and all of CJPME's other activities possible. Time to say goodbye, but we'll be back with another exciting podcast next week.